Welcome to B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle now. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B-Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into another edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I'm Bobby from Oregon. Hi, I'm Bonnie from Oklahoma. And as you, we just said, this is your weekly weather podcast. Bonnie, let's jump right into it. You guys aren't baking anymore. You have finally kicked the hot weather out. Oh, it is amazing. It's like in the low 90s. Next week's going to be in the low 80s, if you can believe that, for August in Oklahoma. I am so ready. It's been kind of sprinkly today. It's going to rain over the weekend. Oh, it is. It's such a relief. So thank you, Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah, you guys lose the heat. We pick it up here on the West Coast. We're in the middle of another 90 plus degree hot streak. Um, one of the forecast models even had today being uh, somewhere in the mid triple digits for us or lower triple digits, you'd say like 107, 108, which if that would have verified, it would have been our all time hottest record at Portland International Airport. Thankfully, it's not going to be that hot. We'll be in the mid-90s today, uh, and then temperatures finally start to cool off next week, but we're in a pretty long heat spell. So we took your heat, it retrograded west, and uh, you get to enjoy what we've had lately. So I'm finally, I'm, I'm really happy for you because I know how much that hot weather makes you miserable. Oh yeah, it was terrible, and, and the next few weeks look like we'll be below average temperatures for the first couple of weeks of August. So that is a very, very welcome change for sure. We won't get into it today, but we will in, in a couple of future uh, uh, episodes of B Squared. The climate and the drought mitigation forecasts are constantly being revised. And I know out here on the West Coast, it's bad. If you've tuned into any news or searched the web and you've seen wildfire stuff pop up, California's ablaze, Southern Oregon's ablaze, Montana is on fire, Wyoming, Colorado, portions of Oklahoma were on fire earlier this week. So we're going to jump into the drought talk, but just the temperature relief finally is so welcome for so much of the nation. I know, you know, you've said that you have so looked forward to this, finally just getting a chance to not have to have the AC on 24-7, a chance to kind of just cool down and relax. And that brings, you know, honestly, better weather for those fighting fires out here on the West Coast. We're not anywhere close, so hopefully we get a cool down soon. But just thankfully... Thankfully, you guys have cooled down a little bit. Yes, thank God. So hopefully, though, that doesn't mean there's some sort of Mother Nature revenge coming at the end of August where we get that serious heat back because, you know, that's what likes to happen. So we'll just see how the rest of the summer goes. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of fire weather and hot temperatures, um, I shared a video on our on our B Squared weather page, uh, facebook.com slash B Squared weather, of this awesome fire NATO that became a water spout when it dropped off a of land and then moved over a river. I know you've seen it. Um, it's one of those great videos that you just look at and you're just in complete awe of the fact that, you know, it's a wildfire burning. It basically creates its own weather. Um, you get, you know, these crosswinds that are being, you know, sucked into a fire. You have to have obviously oxygen to help, you know, these fires burn and, the hot air rising creates an updraft, and all of a sudden you get this little fire nado or a fire tornado. And just watching these guys that shot this video across the river 
And I, I believe it was a meteorologist that shot it. So it was cool because he was just totally in awe of just watching this happen. And thankfully, nobody was hurt. Um, some lucky boaters got by before the uh, water spout, you know, kind of moved across the river before it finally died out. But when you go back and watch that video, I mean, just look at the dynamics of that. You see the inflow wind. You see, you know, just the fact that it's basically just regenerating itself. There's nothing that's really controlling it up above. Like we see with thunderstorms when it's in a mature stage or the beginning stage where you start to get the tornado form. This thing is basically its own weather that's created and it just keeps going before it dropped down onto the water and became a water spout. But I I haven't seen video like that in a long time. It was truly incredible. It was amazing. And it's very cool to see the dynamics that cause a tornado and a thunderstorm scaled down real small down here at the surface. It's like it's like giving you a little picture of what goes on in the atmosphere during severe weather. So it's just really cool that Mother Nature can just do that all on its own. And then for it to just transition from one type of tornado to another, fire to water, you know. And those boaters were really close. They they barely made it by. So I'm glad they were okay. You know, it's funny. You and I hadn't necessarily talked about, you know, looking at the dynamics. But you brought up an, an important point, and I want to expand on this. When you're watching this event take place on the bank, and it wasn't one of those ones where, I mean, a lot of the time you see in the Midwest, it's literally flat land, then right to water. This thing had to go down a pretty serious embankment. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to watch how you could see, like, through, you know, across the river. And then there was a bunch of open air underneath this thing. And you could literally see how the air currents were flowing into it. And, you know, from my research part of my brain looks at that and is like, you know, you can take that video and you can apply it to an actual tornado. You can apply it to, you know, other types of dust devils or fire nados or water spouts and look how the air around it moves. Because, yes, I know that we get a condensation cloud and, yes, we see a lot of the time debris coming into a tornado or an event like this, but you really got to see kind of because of the fire and the ash and the branches and all this stuff, you got a really clear picture of how wind interacts as it's entering that, you know, that little core. And it was just so fascinating to watch because you're seeing all of a sudden this bushes ablaze and then five seconds later, it's completely out. All the air has been snuffed out and something else is now on fire. But just watching the air interact with that was just was, was very fascinating to me. So thank you for bringing that up because that was something I did want to kind of talk about um, when you watch this video because you really do get to see the dynamics at work with air and then again with water when it made that transition. Well, and then that just shows you how powerful it was that the fact that it was fire first and hit the water, it didn't, it didn't change. It just, it wasn't fire anymore. It was water. So the fact that it hit the water did not mess up those dynamics at all. So it was pretty it was a pretty powerful situation right there, you know, just considering just the winds, not the fire and water, but just the way the winds were interacting with each other was pretty strong to keep it together, keep its structure as it transitioned from one element to another. Exactly. And like we had talked about, you know, it's, it's the warm air from the fire that's basically creating the updraft. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that air remained intact as it made its way from water. And, you know, we've seen the videos, you know, thousands of them of a tornado, you know, an actual water spout formed by a thunderstorm that moves on shore and becomes a tornado. We get a bunch of them on the Oregon coast every year. I know they happen in the Keys a lot, um, Mm -hmm. especially in the severe season. So to watch that happen, it was just, it was really fascinating. And the fact that a meteorologist got to shoot the video 
and comment about it as it's happening. It, that was kind of the cool geek out factor for me. Right? Like, that's the kind of person you want videoing those kind of things so they can narrate what's going on. I hope I'm lucky enough to video cool phenomena like that. Now, you, of course, you are in Tornado Alley, and you have yes. gone on chase storms. Have you? What's the closest you've seen a tornado? The closest I've seen, I wasn't actually chasing. Um, it was May... 31st 2013 um i was at a friend's house she lived out in southern oklahoma city um that was that day that the big el reno multi-vortex tornado touched down this was part of that whole complex that was a really wild day but i'm at her house i left work weather was getting crazy i couldn't even go home so i had to go to her house her and her whole family's huddled in the bathroom sirens are going off and I'm doing what I'm not supposed to do, which is standing out, looking out the back window as I watch the air in her backyard just swirl around, swirl around as an EF1 tornado went over her house, basically. So I would, I did I did a no-no. You're supposed to get in your shelter when that happens, but the weather geek in me sometimes takes over. And so that that's probably the closest I've ever been to a tornado. You, you know, it's Separated funny. Separated by two inches of glass. <laughs> you know, again, it's funny. I knew that you were going to say that. I knew that you were going to be like, yeah, they were, you know, they were safe. And I was the one who's, you know, I was the visual truth, the ground truth, you know, watching this whole thing. It's funny. After we taped last week's episode, um, severe weather kicked up in Iowa. And I know you've seen the video of the tornado forming basically in this guy's backyard. And yes. watching the vortex go overhead before it finally, you know, formed a tornado. And then it kind of plows through his neighborhood. Uh-huh. That video right there might be now in the top five of all-time greatest tornado shots because you see it from the inception. And, of course, we've all seen videos of the mature, you know, tornado on the ground barreling through the farmland. But to finally see a tornado actually start start to finish, you know, the whole process of, okay, you have the rotation in the supercell and then it actually drops the vortex. Just amazing video. Again, you know, I'm so thankful that we all carry smartphones now because we can all record video pretty much instantaneously. It's really going to change the way that we look at severe weather, how we, you know, analyze it. And we can learn a lot from that type of video. But man, it was funny after we got done taping and that happened, I was like, oh man, I wish we wouldn't have taped earlier in the morning, but it's just the way it happens. But that video was amazing. Yes. And he was brave to do that. He should not have done that as I shouldn't have been looking out the back window, but sometimes you can't help it. And I, and I agree. I'm glad we all have smartphones because it's like we have eyes everywhere. And it's, it's like every square inch is covered because everyone's got a smartphone. And not only do you get video and picture, but you get pretty decent video and picture. So things are changing, and that's, that's awesome. You know, we talked about on previous episodes just how the technology of meteorology has changed. And, yes, because now we have a smartphone and we have all these apps and we have the ability to access data wherever we are. It's changed the forecast dynamic, and that's been just absolutely awesome. But, man, how – honestly, when you saw that video, what was your reaction? I I was just, like, trying to figure out if he was really just – like, is he really standing underneath it like that? Like, I had to rewatch it because I was like, he's looking directly up into it. Like, he he's about to be sucked up into it, you know? And right. I was like, I, I mean – Props for bravery, props for going that extra mile for science, but good grief, like, you know, give me a little heart attack. Like, I didn't want him to get hurt. Right. And, you know, 
I, I'm really thankful for guys, you know, from the Weather Channel. Uh, Rob Marciano at ABC News is the one who I originally saw the video from. And then everybody picks it up and retweets it. But the fact that that guy, one, he ended up being safe. Yes, there was a lot of damage to the town that he lived in. And, you know, our hearts go out to those folks because, um, it, again, it was a pop-up storm. Yes, you heard the sirens going. Thankfully, you know, the National Weather Service and the local emergency management were on top of it. The warning was out there. So at least people were able to get, you know, get at least a little bit of head start. But that video is truly a testament to what the power of tornadoes are because it goes from basically being a rotating supercell overhead to a tornado within the span of two or three minutes that destroyed a house, destroyed multiple buildings. It's not one of these things where these things are, you know, they take time to get going. Once they start, they're very powerful. Exactly. And it, it got really big, really fast. And if you watch it tear through that neighborhood and you just see all that siding and vinyl siding all around that whole tornado, that was, it was a really rough video to watch the, the one of a full mature tornado going through that neighborhood. And it was incredible. And it was just amazing at how strong and powerful nature can be all on its own. But then it's also, you know, that's people's lives. So it was an intense video in several different ways. No, it, it truly was. Bonnie, another great episode of B Squared. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today on this. You know, I, I'm looking forward to, one, you continuing to cool down because I know it's just been a long, hot, suffering summer. Um, I'm not actually complaining about the heat. It's not too bad. At least we have relatively low humidity, so it's it's more of a dry heat. But, hey, just be glad we're not Phoenix where it's 114, 115, 116. By the way, do you know, I'm going to make you guess, can you tell me at what temperature do they shut down Phoenix International Airport at? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna just take a guess and say it's 119. You're close, 117. Wow. And, of course, everybody knows why, or maybe you don't, why they shut down. At 117 degrees, the warm is, the air is too warm for planes to take off. The wings of the airplane cannot create enough lift to safely lift off. So at 117, they close down the airport and they have to wait till the temperature cools down uh, a couple degrees before they allow planes to take off because literally there's not enough runway and not enough air to create enough lift for those planes to take off. So 117 degrees is what they do. They shut down the airport at Phoenix. Uh, but hey, at least it's a dry heat, right? Right. That's what everybody says. But I feel like at that point heat is heat you know so <laughs> that is very true well Bonnie... Man, I, did not, I didn't realize that that it, it it affected the airplanes like that that's really really interesting yeah it's 117 degrees and uh, have you ever been to phoenix no okay so real quick phoenix international airport is literally in the middle of the desert um mm -hmm. you know downtown is just off to its north and its west and it's flat there's a lot of concrete. There's a lot of, you know, brown rocks. There's a lot of, you know, desert vegetation. It retains the heat. So, I mean, if you're at 117, it's been cooking for a while. And uh, it is interesting to see a ground stop because, literally, the planes can't take off. So it's, I wonder how often it's been shut down. Uh, they say they do it a couple times every year. Um, wow. I know they did it earlier this week, I believe. I think I saw it on Twitter that they had done it. Um, I'm sure that they keep track of it, but you know, I'm sure it's one thing that they know of when they're in the middle of a really, really hot streak, that chances are they'll probably have to shut down the airport for a couple hours. Wow. Well, note to self, you know, maybe not 
be traveling through Phoenix in the afternoon during the summer. That's very true. That's very true. I know that you and I are going to try and make it to Phoenix for the AMS National uh, meeting, which is coming up in January. So at least, thankfully, in January, it won't be 117. Right. (laughs) We'll get there safely and get out of there safely. Exactly. Well, Bonnie, I appreciate it. I will chat with you next week for another edition of B Squared. Again, I'm Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie from Oklahoma. Thanks for joining us.